you will, turn in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs, uh, chapter 10, as we continue our study through the Word. So I, I love just soaking in the Proverbs. And, and here as we come to this 10th chapter, the, these, it says, are the wise sayings of Solomon. And so here again, we have the, the recordings of the wisdom of Solomon. Now Solomon's considered to be the wisest man that has uh, ever lived. God bestowed upon him the tremendous discernment and wisdom. You'll remember when God asked him, what is it that you would desire? And, and remember, he asked for wisdom to be able to rule over God's people. And, and you remember that God honored him and said, because you didn't ask for long life or fame or, uh, or riches, uh, he says that, you know, that he will bestow upon him that, that wisdom, but then also all of these other things would be his. And Solomon was known not only for his wealth, but also uh, for his wisdom, his jurisprudence, and was famous. He, the expansion of the kingdom underneath Solomon reached its greatest heights. And, uh, and so we really see this, uh, this amazing king over the nation of uh, Israel. And, and so to have the words uh, recorded for us and, and to think of, uh, of the centuries upon centuries that, that these words have been inculcated into the next generation where parents have poured this wisdom into their children and, and those children have grown up and poured it into their children. And, uh, and so here we stand uh, in our line receiving that wisdom now that God has given to us through Solomon and able to pass it on to uh, the next generation as well. And, and so just so in the richness uh, now it says the Proverbs of uh, Solomon a wise son makes a glad father but a foolish son is the grief uh, uh, of his mother and so we see that a son that becomes wise by how by heeding the instruction uh, of their parents uh, and we see that this now brings uh, joy uh, to his father it says but a foolish son is the grief uh, of his mother now that doesn't mean that a wise son doesn't make a mother glad and it doesn't mean here that a foolish son doesn't bring grief uh, to a father the contrast isn't between father and mother Certainly, uh, a, a, a wise son makes both the mother and the father glad, and, and certainly a foolish son makes both of them to grieve. The contrast is between the wise son and the foolish son, the, the choices uh, that we ultimately uh, make. And so uh, here we see the, uh, the instruction that now to take and to make sure that we are helping our children to develop a wisdom. And so wisdom is the proper application of knowledge. So it's, it's not just knowledge, but it's now taking and helping them to continue to use it well, to be able to become wise. In verse two, treasures of wickedness, profit, what? 
Nothing. But righteousness delivers uh, from death. And the Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish, but he casts away the desire uh, of the wicked. And, uh, and so here we see again, you know, the... Bible talks an awful lot about uh, money. And uh, here we see that it talks about ill-gotten gain. It talks about that person that is pursuing money at, at any cost. And, and for a moment, it, it brings them pleasure. But that pleasure never lasts. In the same way that sin, sin is pleasurable for a moment, but, uh, but afterwards uh, we see that there are the, the consequences that will come forth. And, uh, and so the treasures of wickedness in the long term, in the big scheme, they profit absolutely nothing. But in contrast to that which doesn't profit is the righteousness. And so here we see again the use of contrast uh, now. Uh, the righteousness delivers a person uh, from death. And so we see that by navigating according to God's word is going to bring us to life. And that is that eternal life that we have in Christ Jesus. It says the Lord isn't going to allow the righteous soul to famish. Why? Because we have the bread of life. Amen. And so we have the living water. And so you remember how Jesus, when he had departed and was spending time now with his uh, heavenly father, he says that I have you know, food that you know not uh, of. And my food is to do the, the will of God. He's talking about that spiritual sustenance that, that we are connected to God and how that is what fills a soul to overflowing. And, uh, and the famished soul isn't about the, uh, the, the body and the, the fat content uh, in a body, but we see instead it is about the richness of communion and fellowship uh, with God. And so the Lord is not going to allow the righteous soul to famish, but he casts away the desire of the wicked. And, uh, and so here again, we see the way in which God blesses and protects. In verse four, he who has a, a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. And so here again, we're dealing with the, the universal issue of laziness. And, uh, and so God created us and intended us to, to work and to be productive. Amen. You remember that he gave, you know, Adam a job there in the garden after he created him. That garden could have taken care of itself. God could have created a self-preserving garden, but uh, he didn't. Uh, he, he chose to allow and give Adam, listen, the privilege of work. Work is a privilege. Because what happens is that when you are done, there is a sense of accomplishment. There is a sense of satisfaction that a person has and they can uh, look back uh, upon it. And, and when everything is just handed to you and given to you and there, there is no participation in the process, there, uh, there is a leanness of soul that, that comes with that. Now, the flesh <laughs> by nature is lazy, amen? 
Anybody have lazy flesh? You know, anybody's flesh just wants to sit around and binge watch and eat popcorn and ice cream and, you know, and just that, that's what our flesh, you know, wants to do. It it doesn't want to get up in the morning. It doesn't want to work. It doesn't want to do anything. It just wants to lay around. And and so here we see, though, that the Spirit uh, wants us to overcome that laziness uh, here. We can't allow the flesh to control us. We have to control the flesh. And so we see that, uh, that Solomon now talks about the necessity of, uh, of disciplining our flesh, that a slack hand, it means that a, a hand that's not willing to, to get busy and to get uh, after it. He says, what's the result uh, of a person who will not be diligent uh, in their work? And it says, uh, poverty is going to be the, uh, the result uh, of that trajectory in a person's uh, life. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. So we see the stewardship. Life really comes down to stewardship, recognizing that we have been given time by God to live uh, here upon this earth. We've been given gifts and talents, uh, each and every one of us, different gifts and talent. We've been given a body, uh, and each and every one of us needs to take care of that body. We have treasure, we have wealth that we will accumulate, and and it's a, a matter of stewardship in all of those things, recognizing that we are to take care of the things that God has given to us so that we may be able to to stand before him and hear, well done, thy uh, good and faithful servant. And and so that that concept, that issue, that understanding that I need to be diligent in my stewardship uh, here. So uh, the hand of the diligent is going to uh, make a person to prosper, lazy Uh, ultimately is going to uh, lead to uh, an impoverished uh, impoverished, uh, state. Verse 5, he who gathers in summer is a wise uh, son, and he who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes uh, shame. And and so here again, we see the contrast between diligence and uh, laziness. A person who is diligent in the summer to prepare for the winter months, as contrast, and now it's someone who won't even get out of bed to go bring the harvest uh, in uh, when it is ripe uh, and ready to be taken in. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. And the memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked will what? will rot. And so uh, here again, the blessings uh, now are on the head of the righteous. The, uh, the righteous are those who seek after Christ. You, you are righteous and I am righteous, not in our own self-righteousness, but we're righteous in the righteousness of Christ. And so we have his righteousness. Now, as our sins are washed and forgiven, as we are connected to God, now he views us as righteous. Now, you and I both know how far we fall short, but uh, here's what God promises, right? God promises that he will no longer remember your sin. As far as the east is from the west, uh, he chooses to, once it is forgiven, that he will choose to actively forget it. When he looks upon you, 
He sees the righteousness of Christ, washed and cleansed and beautifully adorned as a bride who is prepared for her wedding day. That is the way that he looks at us. Now, oftentimes when we look at ourselves, what do we tend to look at? the faults the things that aren't right the things the imperfections you know we got everything right we have one zit and that's all we can see you know the one can you see did you see this zit look at you know i got this zit here you know and and it's like we focus on the 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 faults the things that that haven't been sanctified in our life but the thing to recognize is how much God loves you. And when God looks at you, he looks at all the things that are right with you. And, uh, and just uh, the affirmation of the Father's love for you. Oftentimes we can struggle with not feeling worthy. And that's because we're looking at uh, the parts that aren't sanctified. Or we're looking at our mistakes. Or we're listening to the condemnation of the enemy uh, in our lives. But... Uh, know this that God loves you that you are richly fully and totally loved uh, here blessings uh, are on the head of the righteous but violence covers the mouth of the wicked now here again we see the contrasts uh, the uh, the righteous and the wicked a wicked person is described now as a person that does not want to walk in the will of God for his life that's a wicked person now that wicked person they can be the nicest wicked person that you ever met in your entire life you know in the bible it says the fool has said in his heart there there is no god and so here we see that uh, that God is calling atheists uh, uh, a fool. Now, they can be the nicest fool in the entire world, but there is a foolishness that has bound up their heart when they are trying to make sense of the world apart from God. That's a fool. Now, a wicked person is a person that wants nothing to do uh, with God. They don't deny that there is a God. They just want what they want, uh, and they have departed uh, uh, from seeking uh, after the uh, the revelation of God uh, at all and so the blessings of God are upon the righteous those who have sought to approach and the Bible tells us that the eyes of the Lord look to and fro seeking after uh, those who are seeking him and and so God is looking for those that are desiring to approach uh, him and and so the blessings of God the blessings of God are upon those who are turning their face towards him, those that are seeking to draw near to him. The memory of the righteous, it says, is blessed. And, and you see the way in which righteous people are, uh, are honored even after their death. How, uh, how plaques and, and statues and all sorts of different things are, uh, are done to commemorate the, uh, the righteous. Over in Israel, the Yad Vashem Museum, which is the museum that commemorates the holidays Holocaust uh, victims. There, uh, there are the trees of the righteous, and it's this place where all of these trees of the righteous Gentiles or the Gentiles. It's honor given to the Gentiles that uh, that 
help the Jews uh, uh, during their time in the Holocaust. And, uh, and so they have honored uh, those. Uh, uh, and so we see here that the memory of the righteous there is blessed, but the name of the wicked will rot. You see how there is the desire to forget uh, uh, and to remove the very names and the remembrances uh, uh, of those uh, who are uh, wicked. Uh, we see in verse 8, it says, the wise in heart will receive commands, but a pratting fool uh, will fall. And so, means he hear that a, a wise person is teachable. They're willing to grow. They are willing to be instructed and corrected. But it says a pratting fool uh, will fall. And so uh, here we see that word for fool means a, a coarse person, a hardened uh, heart. We see that they don't stop talking long enough to learn anything. They're in love with their own voice. Uh, and so they're always uh, talking, but never growing, never learning. And uh, so it says that a pratting fool will fall. The Bible tells us that pride comes before what? Call, comes before fall. So this, this pratting fool is proud because they, uh, they think that they know everything. They're, uh, they're not willing to be instructed or taught. And so uh, we see ultimately here that they uh, will fall. It says that he who walks with integrity walks securely but he who perverts his way uh, will become uh, known. And so and here we see once again, uh, integrity versus uh, uh, perversity. And, and we see the contrast uh, now. When we are upright in our integrity, we never have to look over our shoulder. We never have to look uh, over our shoulder. But when we're a lawbreaker, we're always looking over our shoulder. We're always uh, worried that we're going to get caught. We're always worried that we're going to be discovered. And, uh, and so we see that there is, there is no peace uh, in uh, that uh, life. We see that a person who walks in their integrity, they walk securely. They're never worried, never looking uh, over their shoulder, never looking back. But trusting in, uh, in their uprightness uh, and uh, in their righteousness. We see here that it goes on in verse 10 to say, he who winks with the eye causes trouble, but a pratting fool will fall. So we see back to verse eight, a repeating uh, of uh, this talkative fool that eventually gets himself <laughs> into trouble. Now, a person who winks uh, with the eye causes trouble. Th this now is suggesting the, uh, that you are winking and that you are in cohorts with, uh, with others. And, uh, and, and it suggests uh, now a, a, ma a malevolent uh, uh, intention uh, and so a, per a person who's winking is a person who's, who's scheming, who is making plans and, uh, and drawing others uh, into it. And, and so uh, uh, a troublemaker here, Solomon is uh, identifying uh, that for us. In verse 11, 
It says the mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. And so here, speaking about the words that come out of our mouths and the way in which when we use our words to build up others, when you are building up those that are around you, then, then it is like a, a spring of wells uh, tap into the groundwater and they uh, have that supply of water to be able to refresh. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life. You're building up life uh, in others. The Bible has a lot to talk about our mouths, the, the words that come out of our mouths and the way that we conduct uh, our mouths. And, uh, and so when used properly, the mouth of the righteous, man, it's a well of life. A fitly spoken word is like uh, apples of gold in settings of in the silver. When, when you give that encouragement to that person just when they need it, when you give that e exhortation or that counsel to uh, a person that is desirous uh, of it, when, uh, when your words bless uh, uh, others, the, this is such a, a blessing here. And the mouth of the righteous, it's a, it's a well of life. But it says, but violence uh, is what covers uh, over the mouth uh, of the wicked. In verse 12, hatred stirs up strife, but love uh, covers how much sins? All. all sins. Love covers uh, all sins. We see that hatred now, uh, when, when you hate somebody else, you don't want to see them at peace. And so you want to stir up trouble for them in, in their life. That is the, uh, the carnal heart that is inside each and uh, every one of us. And, uh, and when someone wrongs you, the, the carnal heart desires vengeance. And, and so that hatred and strife and, uh, and all. It says, but when you love uh, somebody... Love covers all of their faults. You see, hatred hatred broadcasts their faults. Hatred wants to announce it to the world, wants uh, everybody to, to know every single negative thing that can affect the view of that person. But love, love wants the best for that person. And those areas of weakness, those areas of faults, when you love somebody, you want to stand in that gap you want to protect them from being uncovered in their faults. Now, we all have faults, amen? Every one of us uh, falls uh, short, and we all have faults. Now, how would you like your faults to be listed on a paper and then published you know, to, to everybody that is around? All the things that you fail in, your, your weaknesses and your insecurities. Right Now, we all have them right? But we see that love wants to present your best qualities, wants everybody to see the, the best parts of you and, and wants to cover over the, the worst parts uh, that there are. And so uh, all of us have our unseemly parts. And, uh, and so the intention of love, love's heart, the heart of love, 
is is that it would cover uh, all sin. Now, uh, a person, a righteous person, covers up wrongs by forgiving the wrongdoer uh, as well. And so forgiveness is a part of covering their sin versus reminding them of their sin. You always do this. You always do that. You last year said this, and you did that, and I remember when we were at Aunt Matilda's, and you blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and what are they doing? They're always, they're bringing up your past mistakes and then characterizing you by your mistakes. And, uh, and so here we see that that's the opposite of love. Love forgives. Love moves uh, forwards by forgiving wrongdoers. In John's gospel, it says that for God so what? Love the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And, and so we see that God loves us and he gave us his son to do what? To wash away our sins, to cover how much of our sins? Uh, all of our sins, not most of our sins. And so we see that example set before us by Christ himself. And then Christ invites us to come follow after him and to reflect. Our hearts are to reflect the heart of God. And so this is the way that God loves. This is the way that God looks at uh, us. And so we are to to walk in those uh, same steps and so we are to forgive others and we are to cover all sins now we see a talebearer is the exact opposite we see a gossip is the exact opposite uh, of loving when they hear something that's unseemly about somebody else you either cover that uh, or you end up spreading that. And, uh, and so love covers it. It may be true, but, but we don't need to know the worst parts of, uh, of everybody. Uh, and so uh, here we see that, uh, that the love covers uh, over. Now, wisdom, it says, is found on the lips of him who has understanding. But a rod is for the back of uh, him who is devoid of understanding. And so uh, wisdom now is that application of knowledge. So first we have to have that knowledge. First we have to have that, that understanding of how things work. And then to navigate by wisdom according to that understanding. And, uh, and so awareness is the first step to change. We need to have uh, awareness that, that that is the, the knowledge and then the application uh, of that awareness, that application uh, gives us uh, now the, uh, the wisdom. Now, uh, a fool, well, ultimately, what does it say here? It says that uh, the rod is going to be for their back. In, in other words, the life is going to teach us through the school of hard knocks. Amen. You know, so we're either going to learn it the easy way uh, or we're going to learn it how? The, the hard way. And so here we see that that person that's not willing to gain understanding from others will uh, learn it the hard way. And, uh, and so that's another way of, uh, of saying that wise people store up knowledge, 
but the mouth of the fool is near destruction. And so here again, we see the, the storing up of knowledge, the acquiring of knowledge. You're remembering the early chapters, how, uh, how wisdom was personified and said to, to seek after her more than treasure, more than gold, more than anything else. Bind wisdom uh, onto your forehead and around your, uh, your hearts and uh, and so the storing up uh, now uh, of knowledge. The rich man's wealth, it says in verse uh, 15, is his strong city and the destruction of the poor is their poverty. The labor of the righteous uh, leads to life, but the wages uh, of the wicked to sin. And so uh, here again, what are you working for? And talks about that the labor of the righteous uh, is going to lead us towards uh, God. We are uh, working to live a life that is pleasing before God, uh, but we see the wages of the wicked to sin. The, the, the wages of the wicked lead them uh, to sin and toward sin. Verse 17, he who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. And so here we see again, talking about that discipline to learn from others and, and thus producing a, a productive life. But that person that will not take counsel, that just wants to do what they want to do, eventually they are wise in their own eyes, but we see that they will eventually go astray. And so the the, the importance of having friends that you can speak to, brothers and sisters in the Lord that you can gain counsel from, that you can bring your life situations and circumstances. God never wanted you to go through life uh, on your own. As a believer, the Bible tells us that iron sharpens uh, iron, that, uh, that we are able to come into community with uh, one another and uh, and so a person who refuses uh, instruction, refuses correction, just wants to go their own way, ultimately they are going to uh, go astray. Verse 18, whoever hides a hatred has lying lips and whoever spreads a slander uh, is a fool. We see that verses 18 through 21 are all going to be talking once again about our mouths, our ability or lack of ability to be able to control our, uh, our tongue here. We uh, see that when a person hates someone, but tries not to show it, they're often forced to lie, right? You know, when you are really upset with somebody and, uh, but you don't want them to know that you're upset with them and you're harboring things against them and they, and they say to you, are we okay? Are we good? You're like, yeah, we're good, you know? <laughs> Even better when you get away from me, you know? But, 
you know, and, and you end up now in this place where you're not able to walk uh, in honesty because you've got issues that are in your heart. The hatred comes from unreconciled uh, conflicts and, and the Bible talks about how important it is to reconcile, 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 reconcile. God wants us reconciled uh, with one another. We see that he sent Christ so that we could be reconciled to him, that he was the initiator now uh, of uh, resolving the conflict, the sin issue that is in our lives. And, and when you've got something against somebody else, the Bible commands us, doesn't suggest it, but commands that we go to that person and we talk to them. We tell them we're upset uh, with the way that, uh, that they hurt our feelings and, uh, and that they had said this or that. Or, uh, and we bring the offense to that person to give them an opportunity to minister to that offense to be able to say I am so sorry that's not what I was meaning this is what I was meaning and to be able to straighten it up and uh, and then we see that we have got uh, resolution the Bible says that not only if you're upset with somebody but if you hear from somebody else that so-and-so is upset with you that you're to go to that person that you're to initiate the resolution of conflict. And Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. And the Bible says, as much as depends on you, be on peaceable terms with all people. And, uh, and so that means resolving conflict in your life. God wants you to be at peace, at peace with him through Christ and reconciled uh, with uh, others uh, in our life. And so uh, hatred, anger, frustration with people, we need to be able to go and in love uh, share how we're feeling so that we can be ministered to. Now, verse 19, in the multitude of words, uh, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains uh, his lips uh, is wise and uh, and so here again it's saying that if, if you talk non-stop in the multitude uh, of words eventually you're gonna say something that isn't true you're gonna wander into uh, areas uh, now in the multitudes of, of words sin is not lacking it reminds me of uh, of the fact that they say that if a police officer follows you long enough, you're going to get pulled over. <laughs> you know, if he follows you for two and a half hours, you're going to do something at some point in time somewhere that is going to get you mm, pulled over. Here, uh, the same thing. With enough words coming out of your mouth, uh, eventually there is going to be uh, sin that is going to come out of your mouth uh, as well. A person who restricts strains his lips is wise the tongue of the righteous is choice silver the heart of the wicked is worth what worth little the lips of the righteous feed many but fools die for lack of wisdom and uh, and so uh, here we see that uh, that Solomon speaking about the uh, the use uh, uh, of our mouth. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, 
and he adds no sorrow uh, with it. We uh, see here that the blessings of the Lord that are given uh, by God are not accompanied uh, uh, with trouble. To do evil is the sport. It's like sport to a fool. But a man of understanding uh, has wisdom. The fear of the wicked will come upon him and the desire of the righteous will be granted when the whirlwind passes by, the wicked is no more, but the righteous has an everlasting uh, foundation. And, and so to a fool, uh, we see here doing evil is fun. It's like a, a sport. It's something that you enjoy uh, going and doing. Verse 26 as vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the lazy man to those uh, who sent him. And, uh, and so we see that vinegar to the teeth means that it's sour tasting and smoke to the eyes, it's uh, irritating. And so it says is to the lazy man uh, who sends him, he's aggravating. The lazy person is aggravating because you, uh, you send them to go and to carry out their responsibilities and they, uh, they they don't go, they don't carry it out, they're not diligent, and so uh, they are uh, frustrating. The fear of the Lord prolongs uh, days, but the years of the wicked uh, will be shortened. The hope of the righteous will be gladness, uh, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. The way of the Lord is strength for the upright but destruction will come to the workers uh, of uh, iniquity. The fear of the Lord prolongs certain days, that righteous uh, living before God, good stewardship over our bodies and our lives. Uh, we see uh, here that principle uh, before us. The righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not inhabit the earth. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut out or cut off. Uh, the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth uh, of the wicked uh, what is perverse. And so the righteous bring forth uh, wisdom. Uh, we see here it uh, means to bear um, fruit just as a, a tree naturally bears a fruit. We see also now wise words are the natural uh, result uh, of uh, righteousness or uprightness uh, now. And so perverse, uh, the mouth of the wicked, what is perverse means to be turned away from what is good. In Proverbs 11, we see that it continues on with uh, more wise sayings of uh, Solomon that was started back in chapter 10 here. It says, dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight uh, is his delight. Now, dishonest in scales. And, and so you'll remember that back in uh, those uh, days, they would weigh out things uh, on the scales. And, and if you had dishonest scales, it means that you were cheating your customers by, uh, by not weighing it out honestly here. And, uh, and so here it, it tells us that God is looking and watching uh, over the affairs uh, of our life. God 
wants us to be honest in all of our dealings, in all of our words, in all of our actions, that, that integrity, not cutting corners, not telling white lies, not telling half truths. Uh, we see dishonest in the scales. They're an abomination to the Lord to cheat somebody else, to be dishonest with somebody else for your own gain. Think of the selfishness of that, uh, of how you are robbing somebody else for your own gain and harming somebody else. And so that's the exact opposite. Jesus said that he didn't come to be served, but to serve, to die to self and to live to bless others. And so dishonest scales are the exact opposite of the principle upon which uh, we are to live. When pride comes, verse 2, then comes shame. But with the humble is uh, wisdom that uh, that pride is eventually going to lead to that humbling fall and the shame of that fall. But uh, with the humble is uh, wisdom. The way up is is down. The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. And riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers uh, from death. I love the way in Proverbs it covers so many different subjects and so many different topics. And, and it gives us just the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to minister to whatever area of our heart or life that, uh, that the Lord wants to. And, and so like this giant buffet of all of these you know, topics uh, and the Holy Spirit, you know, ministers to us. It's interesting how you can read the Proverbs uh, and one day it's ministering to, you know, one part of your heart and your life. You can read the same chapter uh, the next day and there's other verses now that are speaking to you. And, and so wherever you're at and whatever is going on uh, in your life, God is going to speak to us uh, through uh, his word. And, uh, and so riches do not profit in the day of wrath. In other words, when you stand before God, what good is the money that you accumulated? What, what good is your wealth or, or, or your possessions? Jesus, and put it another way, he says, what does it profit a man if he gains the entire world and loses his what? Loses his soul. But I have all of this money, but your money is worthless when you stand before God. And, and so we see here that riches are not going to profit you in the day of uh, wrath, but righteousness once again uh, delivers uh, from death. The righteousness of the blameless will direct uh, his way aright, but the wicked will fall by his uh, own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright will deliver them, but the unfaithful will be caught by their lust. Uh, and so uh, here again, he's trapped. That, uh, that person, that unfaithful person is trapped for, because his desires keep leading him into sin. And so if you keep being led into sin, you're going to be trapped in your sin. When a wicked man dies, his expectation will perish. And the hope of the unjust perishes. The righteous is delivered from trouble 
and it comes to the wicked instead. And in the book of Esther, you remember the, the trouble that Haman plans for Mordecai and, and how it ends up coming back on Mordecai's, on Haman's head. Haman ends up being hung from the very tower that he had erected for Mordecai. Classic example of that principle. The hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor. But through knowledge, the righteous will be delivered. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there is jubilation. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. But it is overthrown by the mouth uh, of the wicked. And and so uh, here we see that, you know, the city is exalted through the righteousness of the people. It's, it sees that there is a positive effect uh, on our community uh, that righteous people have on public life. And, and I think uh, even more so in a democracy. You see, in a democracy, we have the voice uh, of the people, the influence uh, of the people. And, and so of the people, for the people, and, and by the people. And, and so in the democratic process, it is the majority now that is going to make the rules and the law. But what happens when you have a, a majority that are wicked? <laughs> wicked people are going to make wicked laws and righteous people are going to make righteous laws. And so the majority and the rule by the majority that that works uh, if there is an underpinning to the morality that is underneath that. One of the great problems that our nation has had in taking and bringing democracy to other nations uh, is that there isn't a, the moral underpinning of Christianity like our nation was founded on. And, uh, and so the, uh, the, the, the laws were built upon uh, our constitution and our government was based upon the principles were taken from the Bible. In fact, in the early years of our nation and its formation, it said that a, a man is not fit to take office if he doesn't have the Bible. Bible in uh, one hand and uh, and so not even fit for it. The very first in public schools uh, was in Boston in fact and the reason that it was a, a public school was they wanted to make sure that every single child could read the Bible. That was the reason for the public school and the Bible itself was the textbook uh, that they used uh, in our public schools. Our public schools are a little different today uh, than uh, back then and uh, we've seen that, uh, that, uh, that things have come um, quite a distance, but we see that there is a positive effect uh, uh, to a community that the righteous have uh, on that community. And, uh, and so um, here we see the blessing of the upright. By the blessing of the upright, the city uh, is uh, exalted. He who is devoid of wisdom despises his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his peace. A talebearer reveals uh, secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals uh, a matter. And so, 
being able to, to keep a confidence when people tell you things in, in confidence, when you are giving counsel to somebody in, in confidence and, and they are trusting you with their heart and issues and affairs of the heart, how important it is uh, to be able to, uh, to be faithful. And so this is uh, the, talking about that, uh, that person who is uh, able to be trusted versus the, the tail-bearer that reveals uh, secrets. It's like, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, what are you not supposed to tell me? You know, it's that tail-bearer. And it talks about how tail-bearers, it's like truffles, you know, that, uh, that are sweet onto your tongue. People want to, uh, to hear that. But uh, instead, we see that, uh, once again, a faithful spirit uh, is a trustworthy heart and soul. Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, uh, there is a, a safety. And so, here again, the multitude of counselors. The question, do you have a multitude of counselors in your life? Are there more than one person that you can go to and to ask for godly advice in your life? How important it is. If you don't, I want to encourage you to build up some friendships and some relationships. Bible study is a great place to meet and to form friendships centered around the, the Word of God and living life out together. But, you know, it says that there is wisdom in a multitude of counselors. Now, real quick I want you to know that a multitude of counselors doesn't mean that if you've got five or six counselors that you pull your counselors and, and, and then you know the majority rules whoever's got you know the, the, the greatest opinion uh, my understanding uh, of this verse is, is that there's safety there's wisdom in the multitude of counsel uh, means that when you've got an issue or a problem and you've got one person that you're talking to they're only going to bring one perspective but when you've got a multitude there, they're going to begin to bring different perspectives into that. And, and so here we see that that allows for the Holy Spirit to confirm now which of those is correct. Not that it's a majority, but it's the Holy Spirit that's going to confirm it. Now, if, if you're looking at a problem, you're going A or B, A or B, A or B, and, and you go to somebody else and, and they give you C, and it's like, okay, Lord, is it A, B, or C? You know, but it's G, you know, but you, you haven't even got to the, to the other ones here, and you know, you're asking God, is it this or this? And the multitude of counselors uh, we see oftentimes now gets the proper solution onto the table and then the Holy Spirit confirms uh, that uh, in your life. So there's safety, there's wisdom by getting a multitude of, uh, of counsel on uh, issues uh, here. And so, verse 15, he who is surety for a stranger will suffer, but one who hates being surety is uh, secure. A gracious woman retains honor, but ruthless men retain riches. And the merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his, his own flesh. The merciful man does good for his own soul. We see Jesus 
when he was uh, there on the Mount of Beatitudes, said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And so here it says that the merciful man does good for his uh, own soul, that, that God will bless you when you are merciful towards others. Why? Because mercy is one of the attributes of God. God is merciful towards us, amen? And so he wants us to be merciful towards uh, others and so freely I have received freely do I give and so whatever we receive from God God wants us to pass that on to others as well and so that's the principle that we see in here in verse 20 those who are of a perverse heart are an abomination to the Lord, but the blameless in their ways are his delight. Though they join forces, the wicked will not go unpunished, but the posterity of the righteous will be delivered. And, and so here we see that God delights in us as we seek after his face and to walk now in, in his paths as a ring of gold in a swine's snout. So is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. Now there's a word picture for you, uh -huh. you know, uh, a ring of gold in a swine's uh, snout. Now, uh, nose rings were worn uh, back in those days for ornamental purposes like uh, earrings and, uh, and rings on fingers today. But uh, to take now a, a fancy gold ring and to put it into a, a pig's uh, snout to dress up the pig uh, make the pig feel good about itself uh, um, we see here it says so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion we see that this proverb is talking about inner beauty versus uh, exterior beauty here and and how important that inner beauty is in a person's uh, life. We see that First Peter talks about this. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel, but rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the uh, sight of God. And, and so, verse 24, there is one who scatters yet increases more, and there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. Here we see uh, that selfishness versus generosity uh, are the issues that are being contrasted. It says the, uh, the person that spreads it out, and, and yet they always have enough, they always have more, and yet there's a person that, uh, that holds on to it tightly, and they feel that they never have enough those mm, people that are controlled by that uh, that that feeling that uh, that they need uh, more uh, in their life and and so the generous soul will be made rich and he who waters uh, will also be watered uh, himself. And so here again, we see God's desire is that we would be generous people. I want to encourage you to be generous. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your love. Be generous with the things that you have. Be generous. Have a generous spirit towards everybody that is uh, around you. And God will 
bless you. God will always give you enough when you're generous to be generous uh, with uh, others. And, uh, and so we see in Luke's gospel, Jesus said this, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put to, into your bosom for with the same measure that you use, it's going to be measured uh, back to you. And so I want to encourage you, this is a promise from God, be generous. Uh, and so uh, verse 26, the people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. And he who earnestly seeks good finds uh, favor, but trouble will come to him who seeks uh, evil. And, uh, and so here again, you're going to find what you're looking for. If you're seeking trouble, you're going to find mm, trouble. But uh, if you're seeking uh, now good, then you also will, will find uh, goodness and favor. He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. I like that. I, uh, the righteous will flourish like uh, like foliage, uh, something we don't have a lot of here in the desert, but uh, the beautiful green. I think of uh, up in Oregon where uh, Amber uh, is from and the beautiful forests and the uh, incredible green that is up there. And, uh, and so the righteous will flourish now like foliage. He who troubles his own house will inherit the wind, uh, and the fool will be servant to the wise uh, of uh, heart. And so uh, here we see that uh, once again, having that peaceful home in your own heart, uh, in your own life. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins uh, souls is wise. And if the righteous will be recompensed uh, on the earth, how much more the ungodly uh, and the uh, sinner. And so if the righteous are punished uh, here uh, in this life, we're corrected uh, by our heavenly father, uh, how much more so uh, will the ungodly and the sinner uh, as well. So we see here just a, a wide variety of instruction through contrast as Solomon now is pointing our hearts to chase after God, to seek his face, to seek righteousness, to walk in, in the ways of instruction, to accumulate knowledge and to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us into wisdom. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for your word. God, we ask that you would just continue to meet us and minister to us and bless us. God, help us now to be pleasing in your sight. Give us wisdom with our words, with our mouth, uh, Lord. Help us to build up and not and tear down. And so, Father, we thank you for your instruction here to our uh, hearts. Uh, and God, would you continue to change us through your word by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.